Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. And Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? I am thankful that I got to take a massive round trip on the way here this morning. I went out from where I live to kind of where you live. to, To like... Half a kilometre from where I live. And then back, which was which is awesome. You could have just stopped in and had... No, you weren't there by that time. Hot drink and... I could have... Well, carpool. I, I know where you hide your key, so I... <laughs> well, I think I know where I, where you hide <laughs> you the key. You probably do. You probably <laughs> so, do. So I could have just eaten some food. But actually, I got here, like, just on time for the show. Um, because, I, yeah, I went out that way to, like... I think my dad is going somewhere this weekend. He's like, yeah, can you drop me off? You can take my car home. And I was like... Yep, okay. Which meant like getting up really early and leaving really early to go out to. Yeah, like the common kind of time of the day that I get up. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, but then I got up before that because, you know, I needed to like shower and needed to do all those kinds of things, you know? Yes. But, um, yeah. Very necessary just, in a small studio. The, I, I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree. And yeah, just getting around all over the place. What are you, what are you grateful for this morning, Noah? Um, I pulled the engine out of my ute yesterday. Okay. Yep. Are you going to put something back I'm, in? It? I'm grateful it's out. Uh-huh. It was a miserable job. Yeah, it sounds like it. I'm going to put something different back in. Oh, something okay. that's going to be much easier to get out oh, if, I wow. ever, if I ever need to do it again. That's that's awesome. Yes. That's, is wait, isn't, isn't this like the second time you've done this? No, last time was the gearbox. Ah, okay. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We are about to get into positively different news. We always begin our show with a quiz question, and Lawson's going to bring it to you. I told Zechariah that his son was never to take wine or fermented drink. Who might that be? If you know the answer, then send us the answer right now and you'll go into, what, a double draw? That's right. Well, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you text, if you're the first one to get it correct, then you will get two entries into the prize draw, which is happening at the end of the show today. Well, like 8.45. So, guys, stay tuned. Um, make sure you get your answers in and get them correct. Um, and you'll go into the draw to win... Growing in Jesus, Volumes 1 and 2, by Mark and Ernestine Finley. Becoming more like Jesus by studying his life. These are fantastic study guides and books looking at, looking at you know, the nature of Jesus, the way that he acted, the things that he did, and how we can be more like him. So 0491 is the number to call. And again, that question was, or that clue was, I told Zechariah that his son was never to take wine or fermented drink. Oh, you know right. that is? Get in. Absolutely. Let's have some positively different news. Positively different news. Okay, Lyle. Yes. This is a story you'll love. Okay. It's, it's about destroying invasive species. Yes. And Lord Howe Island has now officially... Oh, man, these guys are just... They are the best at doing this ever. They have officially been declared pretty much, like, rat-free. It's absolutely amazing. So my dad grew up on Lord Howe Island, mm-hmm. and, of course, that was quite a few years ago. It was, you know, very much more of a paradise back then than what it is now in many ways, except that the island was overrun by wild pigs, wild goats, uh, cats, and rats. Yep. And so, you know, that was it was the job of small boys like my dad to go around and shoot rats. Ah. But he would also go out with the other guys and shoot 
pigs and goats and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> with the and, boys. Yeah, with the boys. And they go fishing and shooting and, you what know. What a life. In, 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 on a tropical paradise island and it was just, yeah, it, it was the life. But those animals were wreaking absolute havoc on the island mm. and quite some years ago they declared it uh, pig and goat free and then it became cat free and now it is rat free. Now it is rat free. Um, so basically, yeah, this has been one of the greatest conservationist like success stories of all time. Yes. Uh, basically the, that's amazing. And, and this is like a, a, a trend that's been happening since the year 2000 with islands all over the world where people have been making concerted efforts to go, okay, let's clean because these things up. Yeah. We need to do Kangaroo Island next. That's, yeah, agree. Agree. But, um, yeah, so in, in on Lord Howe Island, they've just taken out the rats by just putting out heaps of rat traps, and they say they've caught around, like, 400,000 rats, yes. which is a lot of rats, especially on a small place like that. <laughs> and um, as a result, the scientists are saying that right now they're having what, what, what could be described as a biological renaissance. Or ecological re- renaissance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically, amazing to see. So it, because all of these invasive species have been taken out, especially the last being rats, there's just all kinds of species who are coming out of the woodworks, going from like, you know, some of the rarest species in the world to having, you know, five, six hundred, seven hundred. Large instances. successful populations. Um, for example, like the flightless wood hen, uh, wood hen, uh, its population has just been doubling like, you know, every three years um, to now it's, yeah, there's around 600 wood hens. Um, but also just in terms of like bugs and crickets and just all kinds of things, um, the population there is just huge and in continuing to increase of all these, you know, local species rather than being controlled and weeded out by invasive species. So, yeah, basically everyone is stoked. Everyone is cheering for Lord Howe Island right now and how they are going with their conservation efforts and, uh, yeah, just completely destroying invasive species and like you said let's just let's just keep it let's just keep this ball rolling you know well i guess like the secret for them to for getting these rats was you know that they put out like twenty two thousand traps um yeah it's a concerted effort you know it was hard work there's no question about that you do not accomplish this without hard work but what it does show is what can be done Mm. and you know to 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 see the you know we're going to see the island return to closer to what it was like when it was first discovered. We, it, won't, it will never be the same because, you know, obviously when it was discovered it was uninhabited by humans and mm. humans are the biggest invasive species that is there. Mm. Uh, but humans are able to, you know, have laws and regulate themselves. Mm. But by getting rid of the rats and by getting rid of the pigs and the goats, it's just completely changed the island. Oh, dude, I still want to go So there. different. I want to hang out. I want to, I want to hang out in Lord Howe Island. It sounds so fun. Everything you've just said is just... Just awesome. Has it apparently has the best diving anywhere in the world. Really, Rainbow diving? Yeah, it's got amazing coral reef. Mm. When my dad used to live there, of course, it was serviced by the flying boat coming out of Sydney. So the big uh, Sandringham, you know, mm. four big radial engine flying boat used to uh, used to come out and land on the lagoon and. Mm. Uh, just what, what an experience. And, you know, they'd be going out sailing and fishing. And, you know, it was the kind of place where, you know, when my dad was growing up there, they'd be like, oh, what kind of, what do we want to have for dinner? Oh, we might have a bit of trevally or we might have some of this or that. You know, and you choose the fish that you wanted to eat for dinner. You go out there, you put a, uh, a glass bottom box down, like, oh, yeah, there's one down there. Drop a line in front of its nose, pull it in and take it home for dinner. That was, <laughs> that was literally how they used to uh, function back in the day. 
That is awesome. Um, and you know, there's a lot of a lot of that island now where you, you know, there's a bunch of areas where you can't go fishing because it's protected for diving and so forth. Mm. There's a lot of places where you can, and it's just a, it's just a piece of paradise. That's so awesome. That's exciting. This is like you should represent the you know the Lord Howe Island Tourist Association. Okay, but like- I can give the other side of Lord Howe Island as well because my dad did grow up there <laughs> and has lots of stories to tell about it. And small islands where people are not that active and there's not a lot of employment mm. can become very morally degraded places as well. Yeah, so totally. You've got, to, you've got to deal with that whole uh, islander issue with mm. um, yeah. There's a lot of abuses. There's some very, very sad history on Lord Howe Island as mm. well. Very, very sad history. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Uh, positively different news in the morning. We hey, love to hear it. Some other positively <laughs> different news that has come out is that uh, this month a group of all uh, black African-American uh, mountain climbing team has summited Mount Everest, which, like, to me, I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. So a bunch, bunch of people got to the top of Mount Everest. But I, I found out as well, like, this is, like, this group, um, only like 10 black people have ever reached the summit of Mount Everest. I guess it's just an area that they're not super interested in. No, it's true. Yeah, it, it, mountaineering, you do not find a lot of uh, people of African descent who yeah. get involved in mountaineering. But this this team, um, guided by a couple of Sherpas, have just been, you know, killing it. That's that's their thing. They're going around, you know, hitting hitting the hitting the slopes, hitting the mountains. And, uh, yeah, they've just summited Mount Everest. And it was just a really feel-good moment, you know, this this group of Americans getting out there. And, um, yeah, it's, it's cool the way that they describe Mount Everest as well. It's like a lot of people go to base camp and then, you know, everyone's like, you've just got groups of, like, really athletic people waiting at base camp, waiting, like, okay, the weather's going to be good on this day, and so we'll, we'll scurry up to the top, and then the next group, they'll go along, they'll scurry up to the top. You know, it's just a really, like, this is... This the is, ultimate bragging rights when it comes to mountaineering. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I went to Mount Everest. Even though, like, going to Mount Everest has become... It's not it, the hardest climb in the world, but it's the ultimate bragging rights. Yeah, it's not even, like, at this point, especially with, like, Sherpa guides and the fact that there's, like, ladders and ropes everywhere, like, it's not not even close to the most difficult no. climb in the world. Um, it I it think, would be unbelievably difficult. Don't underestimate. Oh, yeah. uh, don't underestimate what I'm saying right here. The level of difficulty would be unfathomable for you and I. But yeah. there are harder mountains to climb. That's right. And so basically, well, the the case is essentially if if you're you're a person with fifty thousand dollars and can walk, then you know. Hit the, hit the slopes if you if if you're a, if you're at that point in your life because uh, recently I was I was doing some research into like oh what's the statistics about like um, climbing Mount Everest and uh, yeah the oldest ever person to summit Mount Everest is like in their eighties and the youngest ever person is six. What? So so no it, it's, they, they're finding like just better and better routes is getting easier and easier. But it's also yeah it's cool to see that this team is is you know doing that they, they you know were a lot less assisted in their climb because they were like they were like kind of serious about mountaineering. Yeah, they're full on mountaineers. Yeah, yeah, but still like if you if you want to get to the top, you can. You just go, you just got to shell out the 50 grand a and level then, of a level of fitness and a, yeah. lazy, a lazy 50. Yeah, that's right. Then you're good to go. And uh finally in the good news, Facebook has just released an update and a press release that says it will not use your data in any w- new ways. Um it won't collect or share your data in any new ways that it's currently doing. Um, which I guess is good posturing, but at the same time just reveals the fact that most of their business comes from sharing your data. So, yeah, um, good news in my life. I deleted uh, I deleted the Facebook app from my phone about 
I don't know, three weeks ago now, and it's nice. It's a it's good, so it's a good time. It's the best thing ever. It's a good time. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Breakfast show here, and Lawson's about to bring us the next question for the quiz. All right, the next question or the next clue for the quiz. I spoke with Daniel. All right, this person spoke with Zechariah and, and Daniel. Daniel. Yes. You know who this is? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. That's the number to call or text, and you can get your name in the draw to win our prize for this week, which is Growing in Jesus Volumes One and Two by Mark and Ernestine Finley. Guys, it's right there. It's ready to go. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Stay tuned till eight forty five, where we we will draw the prize. Yes, indeed. Okay, so. Uh, moving on to some more serious news right mm-hmm. here. Interesting text message came through, and this one came through early, so I'm going to uh, share it now. It says, what resources have we got to counteract the powerful wave of evil education regarding LGBT in public school? Ooh. My daughter can't afford Adventist education. My granddaughter of 12 is now saying she's gay. Apparently it's a big thing, like the in thing at school now. And totally. it's interesting that um, you know we're even reaching the point now where gay is not hip enough. Mm. And this is why we're getting the you know the, the wave of of, of uh, trans coming through, because in, and you know if you go back to you know the nineteen forties and one percent of the world was you know we, that we know of back then was gay, mm. and now you're looking at the generation that's coming through schools now where it's at least forty percent, if not sixty percent. And there's no way that you can say that that's biological. That is a social contagion. Yeah, because like the the species just well, the, the, ceases that, to exist. That, that, right. It's it's a completely anti-evolutionary, and it will wipe out the species. Yeah, that's actually so true. Like people like criticize, um, you know, criticize like people who are anti-LGBT from the per- perspective that like, oh, well, there is no God. It's all evolution. Let them do what they want. But it's like. If if that's true, like according to the evolutionary model, then this is a serious problem. Yes, it's the most um, morally wrong thing that you can do as an evolution from an evolutionary perspective. Yeah, hectic. Because the only morality within evolution is to make sure your genetic material is passed on. Mm. So yeah, interesting stuff. And um, so the only the only solution here is to homeschool. Mm. I'm just going to put it out there. That's the only solution that you have if you can't afford uh, private school. And the only other solution is homeschool. Mm. Uh, and, of course, yeah, that is the best solution because then as a parent you get to actually be the one who spends the majority of time with your kids rather than somebody else, mm. uh, which is which is always going to be a good thing. But anyway, having said all of that, we need to move to um, other serious news this morning. And this is an interesting one because for a long time uh, various churches from around the world have sent groups of pastors to do tours of the Willow Creek Church mm. because it has been held up as being an example of how to church plant a church and how to grow a church and how to do church successfully. And they've then gone back to their congregations and we've said, you know, we need to follow the Willow Creek model, mm. uh, whatever that model might be. And uh, uh, that, that's that's been, you know, what's kind of been happening for the last 20 or 30 years. Willow Creek is, mm. but Willow Creek has just laid off 30% of their staff. Oh, and this follows previous cuts, massive staff cuts that were made back in 2019 and 2020. Their membership, their attendance has dropped by half in two years. Wow. And so, you know, they're laying laying off staff back in 2019. So that was obviously because their membership was plummeting. Well, it's plummeted. It's, it's, 
so it was already low then and it has gone from that low point to being half of that. Of course, this was a church that was uh, founded by Bill Hybels. Mm. And this is one of the big things that I'm seeing is a major, major fault with these mega churches is that they are so based around a particular individual pastor that they cannot survive that pastor moving on. Mm, especially like in Bill Hybels position, like uh, just knowing a little bit about the history of Willow Creek, he kind of positioned himself as this like CEO pastor who can, you know, t- turn a church around, like he can pick stocks on the stock market and all this stuff. Um, but as a result, like, well, now, you know, with the church being based around this one guy and the potential wrong that can come from that and the difficulties that can come from that, like, one of the biggest issues and one of the biggest scandals within Willow Creek is, like, sexual misconduct. And yeah, and so as soon as you get situation of, today. of sexual misconduct, and, of course, there's been no criminal charges laid, but you get those accusations that go out there. He steps down in 2020, and the church collapses. It can't survive that. Whereas if you had a situation where the pastor is, you know, shared around, his talents are shared around every, you know, five to seven years mm. or thereabouts. And so, yeah, he goes and he founds a church and it's a great church and he builds it up and then he moves on and he shares his talents with the next church and another pastor mm. comes in and pastors that church. And the fortunes of the church are going to go up and down because not all pastors are effective as other pastors, that's for sure. But what it does is it creates a culture where the members own the church rather than the pastor and the pastor is somebody who is there for a season and the members who are, are there for uh, who are is there for their life mm. you know a lot of the time and it creates a church that has resilience mm. and this is the problem with the mega churches and the mega church movement is that they have no resilience and so you get you know you cut the head off the snake probably a bad illustration but the snake dies you cut the head off the church and the church dies yeah it kind of reminds, like, well, it kind of functions similarly to, like, if you want to use an illustration, it's like the disease that goes throughout, like, a, the, you know, a, oh, it's a, like a eusocial species. Like, you've got the bee and you've got the queen bees and you've got the other bees, and then a disease comes in and just wipes them all out. Like, because they're, yeah, they're just, they're so fragile to the, the changing yeah. times and, and yeah. where, the way that it shifts it. Anyway, moving on from there, we're going to take a look at The Chosen. Of course, this is True. an app based multi-season television series about the life of Jesus and the disciples. Mm. Um, it has just passed 400 million views. Oh, wow. Which is pretty exceptional by anybody's standard. Uh-huh. Uh, that is 94 uh, individual people who have viewed it. And when you are counting individual people, of course, there's going to be a lot of places where there's been watching the home where you might be two, three, four. Did you say 94 94 million million. individual homes that has been viewed? (laughs) Okay. I was like, 94 people watched 400 million times? Okay, fair enough. Okay, okay, it's been watched in 94 uh, million individual homes. Okay, yep. Which There's is a big a 90, 94 million individual app downloads, I yes. imagine. Yeah. So in Brazil, the series app is uh, in Apple's top 10 amongst the most popular free apps. Mm. Uh, in April, it was number eight on Roku's list of searches that placed it uh, two spots ahead of Spider-Man Far From Home. And this is a series that is entirely crowdfunded. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's all about the life of Jesus. Um, I've watched it. I've enjoyed it. 
Uh, does it mean I agree with everything that's in it? No. <laughs> You're never going to do that because it is a theatrical production and that's always going to be far from perfect, but it does give you, you know, some ideas as to what was like life was like in the first century and mm. what the life of Jesus may have been like. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's happening around the world. All right, this is an interesting story. Um, and this is a positively different story. So this particular person uh, got robbed, Jennifer Collier. Okay. And uh, they decided not to press charges if their goods were returned. Uh-huh. Have you heard of this story before? No. Okay. This is a really cool story. I'm, like, intently listening. Because they wanted to forgive the robber. Uh-huh. And so they put it out there. And then they left something on their front porch for him so he could come back and get something for free. Mm-hmm. They left him a Bible on the front porch wrapped in plastic just for him. So come back whenever you, t- whenever you want. We forgive you. Um, if you drop our, our leaf blower black, no, no charges will be pressed. And uh, there's a free Bible for you here as well. Mm. So, you know, forgiveness is a good thing. And I think that's just a, uh, a, a great way of sharing some positivity around the world. Mm. In other news, of course, uh, t- celebrity uh, television, uh, reality television person Josh Duggar has just been sent away for 12 years for receiving child abuse material on his computer. A fairly stiff sentence there. And, of course, he was a part of the reality television show 19 Kids and Counting. And so this was a, an ultra-conservative Baptist family, didn't believe in any form of um, contraception, uh, believed in purity culture and believed in homeschooling and modesty culture and uh, chaperoned courtship and a whole bunch of conservative values, some of which you find in the Bible and are good, but a whole bunch of which are simply conservative evangelical culture. Mm. And this is where we need to notice the difference between you know biblical teachings and culture. And, of course, his whole life fell apart when it was found out that he'd molested at least four of his siblings, he'd had cheated on his wife, his computer was just soaked in child porn, and now he's gone to jail. Yikes. Oh, that is terrible. I'm just reading some of the headlines right now. Yeah, it's pretty nasty. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And it's time for question number three for our quiz. Question three. I told Daniel that as soon as he had begun to pray, an answer was sent from heaven. 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. And if you call and text that answer with the text that number with the correct answer, you will go into the draw to win Growing in Jesus, Volumes 1 and 2 by Mark and Ernestine Finley. We'll be drawing that today at 8.45 a.m. So stay tuned. All right. It's going to be happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, so joining us on the phone this morning is Dr. Sven Erstring. Dr. Sven Erstring, welcome to the show. Good to be back with you, Lyle and Lawson. We, uh, now, now, you come on the show to talk about apologetics, and we really enjoy the apologetics you've got to share. I understand today we are talking about a couple of Irish conversion stories. Yes, yes. So how does, uh, we- how does this link in with uh, what we've talked about in the past? Well, the, the reality of it is, uh, Lyle, is that what we're talking about is not just ideas and kind of mind-warping logic, um, but the reality is that there are people in the world who have moved from not believing in God to actually believing in God and believing in Jesus as their, their Lord and Savior as well. And, and you know, that, that very... Um, 
that, that journey, that story, that personal story is, is really illustrative um, of some of the ideas that we've been talking about. And, and it really puts it in a very personal kind of context. Um, not only does it, uh, you know, support people who are a faith, but it also gives an opportunity, a kind of pathway for people who may not even believe in God or, or Jesus and to say, well, well, how did they move to faith? And um, and what could I do in that space as well? Maybe I could become a Christian as well. I think that's very encouraging, very exciting as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. So two Irish conversions. Yes, yes. So so th- we're going to go back in in history, and uh, we're going to go to the the city of Belfast. Um, and in Belfast was a a family um, um, with the with the family name of of Lewis. And you probably already may have already guessed who I'm talking about, um, but the Lewis family uh, went to the the Church of Ireland very faithfully every every week, every Sunday, and um, of course one of their 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 sons uh, was the um, the young man, the young boy called C.S. Lewis, or otherwise known to his family as Jack, and um, and you know um, as as kids often do. Uh, they, they just have to tag along with their parents because um, uh, where else do you go? Uh, and but but by the time Lewis was but by the time that Jack was fifteen, um, he he decided that now nah, I I'm I'm not believing in God anymore. I'm giving up on God. I'm becoming an atheist. Uh, so that's that's where we kind of start our story in Belfast um, with with um, C.S. Lewis with Jack. Um, not believing in God anymore. It's interesting that he makes that decision at that age. It seems to be the age thereabouts where so many young people uh, make that decision, or even if they've made that decision in their minds, it's where they come out with that decision uh, at around yes. that age of 15. Yes, yes. And the interesting thing is um, that he, um, he he said himself that he, he actually was very angry with God for not existing. And he was he was also very angry with the, with God for creating the world. So so he was he was kind of um, he was all over the place and pretty angry at, at everything that, that God might have done or, or not done or not existed. So it was kind of an interesting space he was in at the time. But but then what happened is um, it was really not only that kind of um, you know existential kind of the big metaphysical things. He just really found Christianity to be boring and a chore. Uh, so, you know, for example, um, he and his brother would explore all of these mythical stories um, and that, that create this, this kind of fantasy land in, in, their, in their house, um, which he loved to, to explore. Um, but, you know, at church, he was just sitting there listening to boring sermons and he just couldn't see the point of it. He was angry at God. He was um, uh, he was angry for the way God designed the world, that it didn't seem as good as he, he would like it. And so he gave up on God. And he also actually got um, interested in the occult, so spiritualistic, um, you know, some satanic things as well. And, and certainly that that's a it's a very dangerous place to go. But that's not the focus of our topic today. So so then what happens is that that he gets sent by his his dad, after the, the very tragic um, death of his mum, and he was really, really um, emotionally hurt by that. Um, he gets sent to England to go to school. 
Uh, he really hates going to school, but then finally, um, he, he gets admitted to Oxford University. And, and this is where the journey starts for us. This is where the, the amazing kind of, um, spiritual U-turn actually occur, um, occurs. And it was in particular, a, a, an Oxford friend of his called J.R.R. R. Tolkien, um, which, you know, many of our listeners would actually know um, who Tolkien is. Yes, um, indeed. Famous for mm-hmm. uh, Lord of the Rings. Exactly, exactly. And, and Tolkien was a, was a Catholic, and, and they became very, very good friends. Uh, they, they started a, a writer's group called The Inklings, and they just started to... Um, you know, explore different ideas. How could they write about mythology and all of those kind of things? And one of the things that Tolkien challenged um, uh, Jack, C.S. Lewis, about was he said, you need to expand your thinking. You need to, you know, enter into the world of imagination um, because just like a, um, a, a story like Lord of the Rings can, can allow us to enter into to worlds that we never dreamed about, he said, you know, Christianity has that same power, but it has a greater power because the, the story is actually true. And, and so, so Jack is going on these walks um, with, with Tolkien and his other friends, and, and finally he comes to the point, he goes like, wow, you know, there, there's, there's a wonder to this world that my atheism doesn't provide, that, that Christianity brings a, a light to this world. And, and and, you know, he, first of all, he, he came to believe, uh, in God and then he, he became a Christian as well. It's an amazing, uh, conversion story. It's an amazing journey of, from not believing in God to for being angry with God to actually finally being, being actually awed by the sheer wonder and the beauty of God's existence and his, his presence in our life. Yeah, it's an amazing story. Mm. And and he, you know, th- there's a very famous quote in his his autobiography, "Surprised by Joy," where he he talks about this. He says, "You must picture me alone in that room in Magdalene College at Oxford, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted even for a second from my work, this steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. That which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In the Trinity term of 1929." I gave and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed. Perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant conver- uh, convert in all of England. It's, it's, um, he just didn't want to become a Christian. Uh, that was the, that's the short story of it. Um, but he, he did. He made that, um, change. He made that U-turn. And then from there, um, he became a powerful, uh, supporter, promoter, advocate for, for Christianity. And indeed, uh, during the war, he had a regular radio um, program. Uh, I guess a bit like you know uh, the, the the breakfast show uh, for Faith FM, where he actually talked to people right across England during the war with all of this, you know, the the, the suffering and the the violence um, and the the death, and he promoted um, Christianity and and th- um, those um, some of those messages. Were became part of the book Near Christianity, which is you know one of the top um, apologetic books for Christianity in the world, even to to this day. Mm, mm. Yes, so, it's a fascinating history. I've actually been to the Inklings room where the where Tolkien and 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 Lewis used to get together, and the others to uh, share and swap ideas together. 
Mm, yes. So, so that's um, C.S. Lewis. That's Jack Lewis um, back in the 1930s. Um, but I want to share with you another Irish story. And this is also a, a young man who was born in Belfast um, in Ireland. And um, uh, he was born in, in Belfast. His name is Alistair McGrath. And uh, he had a love for, for science. So, so Lewis had a, a love for literature and story and myth. And Alistair McGrath had a love uh, for science. Uh, so, so he, he loved maths and physics and chemistry, I guess a lot like I did when I was at high school. And he, um, when he was in Ireland, um, there was two things. Number one, he, he said science necessitates you giving up belief in God. That's, that's what he believed. Uh, that was the first thing. The second thing is he watched all of the, um, the warfare that was occurring, the war between um, the, the, the Irish forces, um, armed forces and, and also the British forces as well. And he, he just saw, hey, you know, Christianity in terms of his understanding actually is the, the cause of war. And so he wanted nothing to do with it. And he became very, very antagonistic towards Christianity, um, a vitriolic, um, atheist. And it's interesting. He actually says, you know, I was, I was a lot like Richard Dawkins. Uh, he, he actually says that he, when he reads uh, Richard Dawkins' writings, he almost has a kind of nostalgia because that's what he used to be like uh, when, when he was an atheist. But the interesting thing is he, um, he went to Oxford, uh, to Wadham uh, College in 1971, and it was there when he actually um, was – delving into the foundations of science and he suddenly realized in science there's um, there's axioms, there's uh, philosophical foundations which you cannot prove scientifically. Uh, there's things that you, you, cannot, um, you cannot prove. All you can do is assume to be true. And it suddenly opened his mind and he said, if that is the case in science, doesn't that mean that things like um, belief in God and also um, belief in Christianity may also be true. So he went on this amazing journey. He started to dive into to religion and Christianity, and he realized that, in his own words, I, I was discovering that Christianity was far more intellectually robust than I'd ever imagined to do. Um, I had some major rethinking to do, and by the end of November 1971, my decision was made. I turned my back on one faith, referring to atheism, and embraced another, Christianity. And and what he realized is is this, is that atheism gets locked into um, um, this idea that rationality can explain everything um, in in life, and that there was there was something that went beyond rationality, um, that, that was not contradictory, was not inconsistent with rationality, but but was something that the the world in which we lived pointed towards. Um, this idea of the the reenchantment of nature, the the use of imagination to to move into this idea that hey, God exists and He actually loves me and He sent um, Jesus to to die for me and we can have eternal life, which goes beyond science. 
but is is not um, inconsistent with the the rationality of science as well. It's an amazing story as well. Mm, fantastic. Yeah, you've talked about two uh, intellectual giants right there that have, you know, it's interesting they move from 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 faith to hardcore atheism and then back again. Um, mm. And just a, a, a remarkable journey. It, you know, I think of, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis in the, in, the, in the Inklings Room and, uh, you know, I mentioned I've been there in Oxford where they used to get together and, you know, the whole Narnia series that, that came out as a result of that. You can kind of, you, you just, there's so much that has been contributed to the world through uh, these men that have come back to faith. Yes, yes. Absolutely. And, and what, what you really see in both of their stories is, is that um, the, the Christian understanding of the world is so much richer, um, so, so much more imaginative, mm. um, that allows us to move into, into spaces which, you know, we don't have empirical evidence for. Um, that, that, but that gives us meaning and purpose in life. And, and the fact is that, that, you know, science, um, the, the literature, the, the story, the myth, all of those kind of things, um, that the Christianity really has something really incredible to offer. Not only is it an incredible story, but it has something even greater. It's, it's true as, as well. And so I would just like to, to invite anybody to, um, who's, who's listening us, to us this morning, I'd like to invite um, you to, to explore these stories, to, to, um, to pick up a book um, called Surprised by, by Joy by C.S. Lewis um, or, or you know, go on, the, on YouTube and, and look for the, um, the, the story of Alistair McGrath as well and, and just um, journey with them and, and what you might find um, is that Christianity is actually, um, it's a worldview that makes sense um, and is something that you can accept as well, just like they did in, in 1930, 1929, 1931, and 1971 as, as well, that, that more people can come to faith, more people can go on that journey and do that U-turn and, and uh, believe in Jesus. Dr. Sven Ostring, thank you so much for joining us here on The Breakfast Show this morning. We always really appreciate the insights that you have to share with us, and particularly those two testimonies. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.